This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 17, verses 13 through 16. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Beroea also, they came there likewise, agitating the multitudes. Then the brothers immediately sent out Paul to go as far as to the sea, and Silas and Timothy still stayed there. But those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, receiving a commandment to Silas and Timothy that they should come to him very quickly, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. Verse 14. Then the brothers immediately sent out Paul to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy still stayed there. Sometimes you gotta know when to stay and when to run. Paul was such a valuable asset to the mission and his enemies were after him. But he had a team of beloved Christians. Who's on your team? You see, when we're in Christ, we who believe are family. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is in danger, we should all help out, working as a unit to protect those who are vulnerable. Paul was loved, honored, and protected by the brothers. When we see a brother or sister in Christ in a dangerous or compromised situation, how can we intercede to escort that individual to safety? Do certain environments put us or those we love in certain physical or perhaps even spiritual dangers? Do we take notice and seek to help? Or do we disregard and ignore? Are we genuinely concerned for the welfare of others? Or are we so consumed by personal pursuits and passions that we're of no use to the body of Christ. You see, we are to be our brother's keeper because we as Christians are called to love others as we love ourselves. These noble brothers in Thessalonica cared for Paul and helped get him out of town to safety. Silas and Timothy, perhaps not the enemy's main target at the time, remained behind with the new converts. The fact that Paul allowed them to remain behind, I think, reflects his desire to see new converts discipled and not left without shepherding from qualified and mature believers. He didn't just want to see these people come to faith, but to also grow in their faith. He wanted to see the body of Christ operate and grow in the function God intends for it. I think he wanted to see churches planted and flourish. Paul understood as well that he couldn't do everything by himself. He was willing to delegate and entrust the work of shepherding the flock to others as the need arose. Verse 15. But those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, receiving a commandment to Silas and Timothy that they should come to him very quickly, they departed. Once in safety at Athens, Paul called for Silas and Timothy to come to him. He probably really valued the help and companionship he had in Timothy and Silas, as missionary partners. But in the meantime, it didn't stop Paul from continuing to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 16. 
Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. Athens was an educated city. They prided themselves on their history. It was a place of culture and intellect, kind of like in Oxford. All the beauty and glory of Athens, as impressive as it may have seemed in the flesh, didn't overjoy or excite the Apostle Paul as a first-time visitor because of the craftsmanship and skillfully sculpted statues, the pomp and circumstance of the city did not seek to honor God. Paul was looking around at a culture steeped in practices and traditions far removed from honoring and worshiping the God of Israel. False gods prevailed. Sin and idolatry flourished, and that really disturbed him. Does idolatry bother us like it did Paul? The decadence and overindulgence of self pleasure and passions were on display in Athens, and Paul was disgusted. He was abhorred. A guy brought up under strict adherence to the law was now immersed in a town and culture about as far removed from God and his law as you might imagine. As a believer, the law would have been in Paul's mind and on his heart. And what are the first things mentioned in God's law? You shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make idols. But when Paul looked around, he saw gods fashioned by the workmanship of hands all over the place. The city was practically drowning in them. It was actually said, there were more gods than men in Athens. The gods we fashion and worship as humanity are endless. And idols still flood our culture today. Don't think we don't struggle with, encounter, who are even consumed by idolatry in our day and age and culture just because we don't have like ancient Greek god statues on every corner like they did. Las Vegas is perhaps a modern day Athens, a city of our own day and age steeped in idolatry. Ever been on the Vegas Strip? Every time I fly in or through Vegas for ministry travels, my heart sinks when I gaze at the Vegas Strip billboards advertising immoral content, entertainment and gambling galore, impressively bombastic lights and scenery, fanciful water fountains, all the pomp and circumstance the world has to offer on full display in its vain glory. It's a modern day Egypt, Babylon, a modern day Athens, full of idolatry, hence its name Sin City. But you don't have to be in Vegas to experience or live out idolatry. You don't have to believe in a false god or literally bow down to a carved image to be an active participant in idolatry. Idols are the things we exalt and love more than Jesus. They can be practically anywhere and anything. They are the things we trust in to save us and bring us life rather than God. They are the things we devote our time, attention, and passions toward that get in the way of our relationship with and worship of the true God of heaven. You see, they're prioritized and exalted above God. Idols are like some of those thorns that grow up and choke the seed or the word so that it proves unfruitful. There are the distractions and addictions that enslave and overcome us that prevent us from bearing fruit for God. They can be worshiped as we metaphorically kneel down before them in love and devotion, they can be our selfish and ungodly ambitions. 
idols can be pursued in an effort to try and attain quote-unquote happiness or peace as the world offers, to satisfy our longing for something more, or to appease our pride and stroke our egos. Worship of self is idolatry. Paul equates covetousness with idolatry. Some things aren't necessarily bad. Some things may even be inherently good, especially if used appropriately with wisdom and in a way that honors and glorifies Christ. But when those things aren't kept in their proper order and balance, and we place them as the highest priority in our lives, above our love for God, then we've made idols out of those things, whatever they may be. What do we covet that isn't godly? What do we long for or pursue that takes us out of fellowship with our Maker? Who do we serve? God or the things of this world? Jesus or self? These should be convicting and challenging questions for many of us if we're honest with ourselves. What do we struggle with that gets in the way of our relationship with God and devotion to Christ? At times I find myself battling against the weeds that creep up to choke me out, mess up my priorities, and distract me from Christ's call and plan for my life. When the weeds pop up, do we notice them? Do they bother us? Do we seek out help? Let's be idle smashers, not idle fashioners. And let's beware that sin and temptation continually come at us from all angles. We pull out one weed, so to speak, we overcome one addiction, another might spring up later in a different form, tempting us in a fresh manner. That's why we need the full armor of God to stay vigilant in our defense against the fiery darts of the enemy. Let's continually fill our hearts and minds with the sword of the Spirit, that is God's word, and hack away those incessant weeds. If we've drifted away from Jesus in our relationship with him, Let's return to our first love. Be encouraged that there is contentment and satisfaction in Jesus alone. We'll never find it in the pursuits and pleasures of this life. Jesus is enough. I have to be reminded of that from time to time. And I'm glad Jesus loves me enough to remind me of his love, to discipline me, to speak into my life through his word and by his spirit. He will never leave us nor forsake us. When He disciplines us, He wants to root out those harmful and debilitating weeds so that we can find freedom. Paul wrote in Galatians, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. God sets us free because He loves us. He sets us free so we can serve Him and experience deep internal joy and peace as we walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. For those of us in Christ, God has completely saved us from the wrath to come, the eternal penalty of our sin, past, present, and future, and given us the irrevocable promise of eternal life that's inexpressible, like we have been saved. For those of us in Christ, God is also sanctifying us from sin by His Holy Spirit throughout our lives. He's began a good work in us and will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, we are being saved. 
and for those of us in Christ, God will someday free us from these bodies of sin and death for new and glorious resurrection bodies. We will be saved. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved, justified, sanctified, glorified. While we fight the presence of sin in our lives, again, let's remember Paul's encouraging words to the Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. First man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Just as we have born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Condemnation on all men For all have sinned and then death Reign from darkness righteous Born of one One act of righteousness Covered all sin Through Jesus' death on the cross Where He became our sin Now, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ by believing in Him. To some, it seems too easy to believe and be saved, but they're choking at a knack. Cause the righteous live by faith. Oh, yeah, one sin brought condemnation. our sin and agony He cried, my God, my God Why have you forsaken me? In our sin He was alone God left His only Son And just before He died He said these words That showed the work was done From sin, it is finished. One sin brought condemnation on all men, for all have sinned in the death. Great none is righteous, no, not one. No one act of righteousness covered all sin.
That was Second Adam from the Adams Road album Book of Life. Whoever lives by truth comes into light so others see that what they do is done through God. But everyone who does evil hates the light and does not want to come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light. There's no fear when you are out. So why the secrecy? Are you ashamed of what you teach? Salvation, why not speak? Just remember there's no secret, sacred things. That should be secret are when you're in prayer And when you're giving to the poor When Jesus taught salvation He said nothing in secret But He spoke openly to the world So every ear could hear when you Sacred things Jesus said what I tell you In the dark speak in the light And what is whispered in your ear Proclaim for all to hear For there's nothing concealed That will not ever be disclosed For hidden that will not be known That was Secret Sacred Things 
from the Adams Road album Book of Life.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 21. Grace and peace be with you all.